good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you choose to listen to us, we are and always will be glad that you do. And you are listening to another youth ministry podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Board of Youth and Young Adults of the Bible Fellowship Church. Now, the youth ministry podcast strives to refocus, recapture, and realign student ministry with a grace-filled and gospel-focused vision. And I am one of your hosts, Chris. I'm joined by my other hosts, or my co-hosts, Jared and Tim. And we still have, for another episode, the wonderful Lincoln Fitch. Say hi, Lincoln. Good to be with you guys again. Yeah, uh, Lincoln, I still... I love the name Lincoln. <laughs> You're like one of my favorite like people that I get that's in my phone because Lincoln is in my phone. Wow. Like so. You're also a great person, but I love your name. <laughs> so I don't like the way it's spelled though. No offense. I, it always confused me as a kid. But there that's what makes me love the name more. Lincoln. Anyways. So we have Lincoln with us. Um, and today we're going to be talking about assurance of salvation. Um, and the reason we have Lincoln, uh, f- especially for this episode, is uh, we have a conference coming up that the Which, BFC Board of Youth Let's is throw that on. in as the practical tip. Let's just throw it in there. There you go. Attend conferences with your students about topics like this. There you go. Go ahead. Yeah. And uh, Lincoln is our uh, conference speaker uh, for this. It's a one-day event. And I'm going to pass it over because uh, Lincoln is very excited uh, to lead this conference and he's going to give us a little bit a little teaser and then this episode itself will be a nice little come to this conference to learn more i think this conference is so important and so crucial for just our day-to-day i think assurance of salvation is one of those topics that is everywhere in the scriptures but i think it's easy to overlook in fact i think a lot of the times in, in ministry if you're in youth ministry especially there's a lot of issues that you see right in front of you that you Think about like, you know, your students struggling with outreach or evangelism, your students struggling in dating relationships and various things that are very practical. In youth ministry, we often think very practically. But I think what this doctrine helps us to see, the assurance of salvation, is that actually with a lot of the, the, the most practical things, they actually go deeper. That actually have students deepen their view of who God is and what God has done for them in the gospel. And and as they're increasingly assured of that, that helps them in practical real-life ways to honor God in their relationships, to reach out in evangelism. And so I I think assurance of salvation is just so key, and I think it's something that so many people struggle with. It sounds like we are saying in a lot of ways it's foundational. Yeah. Like when when you're certain of God's affections for you, God's the way God views you judicially, um, as he approves of you because he approves of Christ, that that then gives you the freedom— to live out uh, the Christian life without fear, which I, which I think is one of the main messages of mm-hmm. Galatians, especially Galatians chapter five. Absolutely. So we have a, um, a a conference that I think it's titled "How Can I Know I Am Saved?" Right? How do how can I know I'm truly saved? Cultivating assurance in Christ. Okay, thanks. Cultivating assurance in Christ, and that's it. February Saturday, February twenty seventh, I yeah. believe. Twenty seventh at Victory Valley Camp uh, in Zionsville. So if you're local, eight thirty to four thirty. If you're a listener and you're local, uh, you can sign up. I believe there's a link somewhere. We'll post it in the, in the show notes. Snow notes. The snow the sh- <laughs> the snow notes. That's why I'm not talking today. Because anyway, uh, so you can register. The registration is due by the 14th or 15th, I believe, of February, and the cost is minimal thirty dollars. Thirty. <laughs> Thirty dollars, not not thirty, 30 balls. Thirty U.S. dollars. <laughs> I'm just gonna sit over here in the corner and <laughs> and be quiet for the rest of this episode. And there is gonna be a light breakfast, uh, like foods provided, and then a, a, a lunch 
as well um, with some breakout sessions. So this will this will be helpful. Um, I know um, this gets a little bit into the practical, but uh, I asked my students on Sunday night, and uh, we had about 40, 45 students in the room, and uh, and I said, how many of you in this room have ever struggled with assurance salvation? And every single hand went up immediately. So this is a right. very this is the word of God talks about it a lot, but also in our experience, it's it proves true yet again. We had a little discussion here sharing that even uh, all of us as young men. Yep. Um, yep. How many times did you did you ask the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. in your heart? Right. At uh, least a there. thousand. <laughs> yeah. At least a thousand. Yeah. So yeah. I I, I want to ask you, um, Lincoln. We talked about actually we had you in our last episode. We talked about total depravity and corruption and how and Tim brought up that's the T in TULIP for Calvinism, uh, the five points, you know, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace. We're skipping all the way, kind of the P, perseverance of the saints. But when I said that in our pre-show you know, show conversation, you said, well, it's actually slightly different and it's a, it's not quite the same as perseverance. Can you explain that? Sure. Yeah, I think the difference would be this. Perseverance of the saints is talking about the way in, w- in which God perseveres his people. In fact, perseverance of the saints, many theologians recognize this, is kind of misnamed. Because perseverance of the saints is not primarily about our perseverance in following after God, although we should do that. But perseverance of the saints is primarily emphasizing the fact that God keeps those whom he's saved. That's what perseverance of the saints is is explaining. And assurance of salvation is different. It's much more experiential and it's much more, you could say, subjective. Assurance of salvation is, a, as one pastor has said, it's a particular persuasion of my heart that Christ Jesus is mine. And that I have life and salvation by his means. That whatever Christ did for the redemption of mankind, he did it for me. Amen. So what assurance of salvation is primarily, it's taking these objective truths of God that we see in the word and applying them to my heart. That's what assurance of salvation is. Trusting in it. Trusting in it. Leaning on it. Yeah. I think of Paul who says, um, what text is it that he says, and the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, not just the sins of the world. So yeah, amen. Amen. Well, why, why don't we kind of jump in then to, um, the, you talked about assurance being this subjective, again, and it's not that it's subjective, like it could be wrong. It's our believing in an object right. of truth. What, describe what that looks like, describe what that is for the believer in more, you know, day-to-day, heart-to-heart type terms. Yeah. I think assurance of salvation for the daily believer is a continual daily reminder of the gospel. Right. But like you were saying, a personal reminder of the gospel, not just that Jesus just cares about the world. It's very easy to say that. In fact, for many who grew up in the church, it's very easy to believe that. You probably default believe that. John 3.16. Right, John 3.16. But do you remember, do you believe every day that what Jesus did, he didn't just do it for everyone. He did do it for everyone, but he especially did it for you. He's got a care and a concern on his heart and soul for you. And assurance is just a confidence in that. Yeah, amen. And I think as we were talking earlier, I think that gives such freedom in living the Christian life and pursuing holiness and being honest with our our sinfulness like we talked about in the last episode. Because you can do that when you have a sure sense that, yeah, I'm a sinner, but God loves me. Right. And when you get you grasp that concept of I am a sinner and God loves me so much, it changes why you're following the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So sure when does. you're assured of your salvation and you're in awe and in wow of the your need for him, but your his love for you, it moves to a sense of joy to carry out his his laws and his and, and to be an obedient uh Christian that's working out his salvation, that is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. It changes uh your 
it moves away from legalism into following uh, Jesus Christ out of love and obedience. Yeah, I think of it this way: it's easy when you're confident of your job, your position at a church or anywhere. You you're free to kind of do the day to day things and not worry about oh, if I mess up, I yeah. could get fired. Yeah. But if you're living on the edge, you're like, I don't really know. You're going to toe the line a lot more. You're going to be more nervous about oh, if I make a mistake, I could be, I could be out of here. And so that assurance obviously goes much deeper, but that assurance that Christ loves you and you're going to mess up, but he's still going to love you as you go about. Now, I'm, I'm, if I'm, I'm pretty sure with this, but this is a big difference between Arminianism yeah, and Calvinism absolutely. right here. So Yeah, this is huge. I mean, this is why it's important that our churches take seriously theology, because there are many churches that don't believe you can have assurance of salvation. They believe that you need to continue to keep yourself with God. That's right. And I've always, I've taught to students about this a lot that, you know, what bothers me when people say that you could lose your salvation, right? What bothers me with that is that idea that it's almost like I have the, I have the ability to kind of just say to God, yeah, I don't, you know, like, uh, you're not powerful enough to keep me. See, see you later, right? But then this stems back with, uh, with assurance of salvation. Like, if you believe that you can lose your salvation, then it goes all the way back to the beginning that I'm in control, so I get to choose and pick when I decide to follow you. So, hey, God, I know you keep asking me that you want me to give my life to you, but nah. So, and so again, it's, we, we believe that God is, you know, fully sovereign, that he's the one that calls people. He's the one that saves them. He's the one, the spirit goes where the spirit will go. The way I like to say it is God doesn't buy junk, right? He doesn't save people and then just say, whatever, I hope it works out for you, but he saves you and he continues to save you in sanctification and he will bring you one day to glory. And that's a great confidence and that we have in perseverance of the saints. Yeah. And I, I think it, you know, cause I, I grew up in, in Baptist churches that were by no means Calvinistic. If uh, Calvinism was known, it was thought as to be of a, a doctrine of the devils, or I just never heard of it. Um, but uh, they all believed that once saved, always saved. But then the danger in those camps that I found was um, it was, you know, the, the assurance was in a prayer, right. not in the heart of God. That's right. And so here's the thing. The assurance goes much deeper than I'm assured that I'm justified. That's That's big. But the Bible never, that's too short-sighted. The Bible always describes assurance as the of salvation as a whole, which includes election all the way to glorification, where we're going to be. So I'm assured when I'm sinning and I'm failing God, you're not done with me. It's not that you're just going to let me into heaven and then say, yeah, go ahead and sit in the back. You're going to you're gonna complete the work you began in me. That's that's Philippians, I think, 1.6. Like, he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's that's the whole picture of assurance. When do you think is the healthy point that a um, someone moves in their, uh, to that point of not sure that they're saved to that point where they can be confident in their assurance of salvation? Yeah, I think this starts to get really into the role of works in our assurance of salvation. And it's a very tricky thing, and you have to be careful, because what we really do not want to say is that we are sure we're saved because we do good works, right? That's not exactly how it works. Works don't, don't save us. We're saved by the objective truths of the gospel, what Jesus has done. But when Jesus does those works, when he saves us and brings us into his family, then we're, we live as changed people. And actually, our works, the fruits of our life, demonstrate to us that something really deeply has happened in our hearts. I think this is why, in my experience, maybe you guys can, can echo this or disagree, that people who come out of the church often struggle with assurance more than people who were in, not in a church context and got saved and came into the church. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, 
I, th- that's certainly been the experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, usually if somebody knows what they were, so I, I think it's because when, uh, um, I don't know if you, you, I don't remember if you said it this way, but if you grow up in the church, you almost feel like God already approves of you. And then you start, then you, you become, you make a profession at a young age. And then all of a sudden you start sinning more as you get older and you're like, oh, he must not approve of me anymore. Mm-hmm. Versus somebody who grew up a wretch, like, or living like a wretch and knowing they're a wretch. And then wait, the gospel's true for me. Wow. And they embrace that. For them, it's kind of an upward trajectory from that point. Right. So that's probably just even the practical reason why psychologically they, they don't wrestle as much. I remember in my life, um, it's that moment of understanding my salvation was was more so around the age of 11 or 12. And I, I have one of those, I grew up in a Christian home and I have one of those stories that said, ah, you know, when I was a little uh, five-year-old, I prayed the Jesus prayer and he was this free gift. But it, I, I remember the moment in my life that this assurance came when I recognized that moment where I said, there, it's about joyfully following the Lord. And that's going to be hard because he tells me it's going to be hard. It comes with great joy, and it's going to it's going to be a blessing in my life. But the road is going to be difficult. And I also saw the other option, which was myself. And I said I could also worship myself. And I remember that was distinctive in my life. And as I got a little further, and I grew up in this denomination, and it was uh, later on in my college ministry, I was uh, at our conference, our BFC conference, and I heard them talking a lot about um, lordship and things like that, and uh, and it was dealing with salvation and assurance. It's all, inter- it's all intertwined. I think that was the moment I realized, I went, oh my goodness, in my life, my turning and following Christ and having that confidence wasn't at five for me. It was around that age of 10 or 11 um, that that was the moment God called, you know, called me. Yeah, and we should probably say this too. This is helpful. That assurance is not necessarily like a light switch that you flip on or you flip off. But I think it's something maybe more like a dimmer switch that you grow in as you yes. grow in your walk yeah. with God. Good way to point. And, and I think even the scriptures put put it forward that way. You know, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's right. To to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Um, the entire book of First John is deals with are, are you truly a Christian or not? And I just want to draw this out, and then I think we should transition to the practical stuff. Um, for me, uh, so you have this book of First John, and I remember when I was struggling with my assurance at, 18, at 18, right after I believe I was truly saved, I had a, a preacher tell me, oh, read through First John, like that'll really help. And I remember it did not help because it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's all these works, and if you hate you know, brother, hate your brother, righteousness, all these kinds of things. Then you come to verse 19 of chapter three, right in the middle of the book. And he says this, um, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. So when my heart lies, God actually is greater than that and knows my heart. And, um, and, 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 and what he says is, but but beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, whatever we ask of him. But then he goes on and he talks about um, these commandments. But then I went back to verse 19 and I, cause I was like, oh, it's the commandments again. It's like, wait a minute. He says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts. So he's not saying by these good works, we'll reassure our hearts. It's my works show that I'm of the truth, who in the context is Christ, and that again is still the assurance of my heart. So just that was just very helpful for me. Like 
the, the works show that you're in Christ, which that's your assurance, not your mm-hmm. works. That's Amen. right. Well, this is really important, too, at a practical level, because good works don't necessarily mean that you're saved. Yeah, that's right. You have to trace the good works back to actually your salvation and say, wow, I'm not just doing these things because I want to be good and make myself better, but I'm doing these things. I've, I've changed my life because of the truths of the gospel that I've learned. Yeah, because I love Christ. That's right. that's my motive. I think it's Paul ends one of his letters. It's either First or Second Corinthians 16. He says, whoever does not love our Lord Jesus, let him be accursed. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty – that's that's a pretty good litmus test. Yeah. So, like Chris said, we will move into the practice. How does this affect this doctrine? Affect how we do student ministry and how do we minister to our students, which is what we're trying to do. And Lingy, you mentioned pre-show. You have to be a doctor, right? Yeah. You have to not think of yourself as someone with a hammer who's going to go slam your students and say, "Remember the gospel." But you have to think of yourself as a doctor. And doctors have different implements for different patients, and they look at their patients. They're careful with them. They diagnose them. And then they use the proper instrument in the proper way to care for their people. And I think it's similar with pastors, right? When, we're, when we look at our people, we need to be very thoughtful and careful about who they are and what their various struggles are. It means we need to listen really well. And then we need to help them in particular ways because there's been times in my life and experiences when I've tried to help students grow in assurance and I've used the wrong implement. <laughs> Can I give you an example of my failure? <laughs> Please do. One, I was in a Bible study with, with a number of students in Romans. We do this a lot in our ministry, go through the book of Romans. And this one girl in our Bible study, almost every week would bring up some question related to assurance of salvation. And I kept trying to remind her, we're in Romans, remember the gospel, remember what Jesus has done, over and over again. And it wasn't getting through to her, uh, and I, I kept doing it. And it wasn't until really the next year I was having a conversation with her that I realized actually the problem wasn't that she needed to be reminded of the gospel. The problem was she was in an unhealthy dating relationship. And what she needed to do was to repent of that mm-hmm. and to be- turn in her from her sin and believe the gospel and walk in obedience. And as she walked in obedience to the Lord, then she was going to grow in assurance. Yeah. So that's an example of someone who needed to be challenged. But that's not everybody. Yeah, that's not everybody. There's a lot of people that um, – I, you know, I, I talked to our counseling pastor here and, and, you know, some of this gets into some psychology, but I think there's, there's a lot of truth to it is that if, if you grew up with a, with a father, especially who, um, the way that they loved on you was based on the way you acted, um, that can certainly have implications as to how you're just, it's inherent within you and you need to be, you need to rest in who God is. And that's the importance of theology, right? Knowing God and knowing his promises. He's a covenant keeping God. He's a loving, merciful God, but that, yeah, there might be a student who is trying to walk righteously. Um, but they are, they are struggling because of their past or a student who is, their their confidence is in just their works um, to to stay saved and and Paul argues that in Galatians like you, if you it's like if you were saved apart from works by the Spirit you think now that you you continue by works apart from the Spirit so once we get this doctrine and we understand it well and and we how I, I want to ask that question then then why is it why can it also just be an incredible blessing and a, a help for you in your ministry with students. Yeah. Or help to them. One thing I've been shocked by, I'm a church history kind of nerd. I love reading church history. And I've been shocked as I've been reading church history that how revival happens. I don't know if you guys know this, but revival, as I've read church history, it actually doesn't start with people outside the church coming into the church. It starts, rather, with people who are in the church having a deepened assurance of salvation. I don't know about you guys, but man, I would love to see revival in our churches, amongst our youth, in our region. And I think the way we do that is we preach the gospel and give people real assurance rooted in these truths. 
Yeah, and I, I think even from a practical standpoint, as I think about this, I think this is true for parents, this is true for anybody, but especially for students. I think a reason why a lot of people in our culture don't nail down assurance, uh, probably especially young people, is because they're too distracted. Um, I, I think of someone like a Martin Luther, who is a monk, and uh, he wasn't a believer, but he re- it tormented him day and night. Uh, that, that he did not feel right before God. Um, and if you think about it, if you're in a monastery, what more do you have to do <laughs> than like scrub floors and pray and eat soup? Like, you know, young people today can doubt and then go home and distract themselves a thousand different ways right. where they don't have to think about it. So they feel that that sense of un, you know, non-assurance for the 30 minutes you're preaching and then it'll go away very soon. And so they don't really deal with it. And I think helping students get rid of the white noise in their life to help them actually sit in the silence and face this head on. Uh, I think that's why conferences are so good, not to just promote our own conference. But conferences are unique because they get you away from your environment to think about spiritual things for eight hours, which we just don't do. Um, It's interesting, the the book of Hebrews talks a lot about this. The book of Hebrews is preached, I think, to a church that's struggling with assurance. And one of the things the, the author says is that they have a listening problem that they've grown dull of hearing. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important that we're teaching people and training people to be good listeners, to slow down, to remove distractions, and to think deeply about the Word of God and their souls. Well, what are some warnings to, because we talked about last week, depravity. And so as depraved and corrupt people, we can twist doctrines, we can twist truth. So what are some of the uh, warnings you'd say to use that can come about by overemphasizing maybe assurance? Or maybe when we teach assurance, students can take it and twist it and use it to justify something. Yeah, I think there's probably two m- major mistakes that people make, which is overemphasizing the f- the I don't want to say overemphasizing the freeness of the gospel, <laughs> but I do but I do think there's a place to 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 say that the gospel is that you've been freed from your sin, but it also calls you to live apart from your sin and to fight your sin. So I do think we can emphasize justification I mean, that's, without sanctification. That's the that's the perseverance piece. That's right. that's where when when God saves someone, saves someone, he saves them to live a righteous life, to right. glorify him. And so what you're not saying is if you're you know, you said something wrong, it's like maybe God didn't do a work in your heart because when God works in a sinner, yeah. he 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 changes them. Now granted, different paces, different ways, um, but yeah, it's, so I, I think that's something, you know, to bring up is that whole piece of perseverance that God always finishes what he starts. Well, in, in time, you were saying that you, you want to be careful that we don't call it, uh, that we don't take away the fact of the freeness of God's grace, but we need to think about what Jesus said. And I, I've always liked the disciple makers. I remember getting to know this ministry that they always said that we, we want to help, all these students, these college students that we deal with understand that being a disciple of Christ, there's a cost. And we're going to give, we're going to tell them that up front. That's actually something I took away with all my interaction with a lot of the disciple maker guys um, and women. Um, and we see it, you know, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, and there's other passages, he said, and said to, he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross daily and follow me. And then he goes on later and we see other passages. He says, you got to count the cost just like a builder before he goes about right. building in a building, he says, "How can I can I do this?" Yeah. Um, so we got that's a big part in this this step. And I think what we can do in ministry is we can want to be so evangelistic and so gospel heavy that we fail to 
give people the real call to discipleship, which is a high call. Right. And what happens is people never hear that call and they maybe they believe the gospel, but they're not really following God very faithfully. And they don't have assurance because they're not really walking with God in a deep, real way. Or they're not a believer. Or they're not if a believer. You've, if you've not called But they think they are, which is you, the yeah, most dangerous which is, thing. It's absolutely the most dangerous thing. Uh, I remember we had a student several summers ago um, who'd been attending our youth group and they, they, they were in a Catholic church and they said they had some questions about what we believed in Catholicism. So I met with them with uh, Alex, um, one of our, was the intern at the time, he's on staff at our church now. And, and we met with this person and uh, I remember we, we gave the gospel like so, like 45 minutes explained <laughs> the grace and all this. And they just sat there and they were just like, I, I'm like, what, what, what are you thinking? Like, what's wrong? She's like, I just know that if I do this, I'm going to have to give up a lot. And I said, oh, you're absolutely right. I forgot to mention that. And I turned to Luke 14 and I said, Jesus says, if you don't hate your own father, mother, brother, sister, husband, or wife, and take your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And this person broke down in tears and trusted Christ. And it was like, but there was a temptation for a moment to leave that out, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and but that's not the gospel. The gospel that's is right. Jesus is your Lord, not just your Savior. Mm. And that's important. That is a, a warning. I think another warning as pastors is, is, is being sensitive. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think he would mind. We've actually had him on the podcast. My uh, brother Josh interned with us this last summer, and uh, and he preached through Romans eight. He did a bang up job. He did a fantastic job. Very gifted expositor, and uh, and he and he came he came to the port about the the place about you know uh, the those who walk in the spirit versus those who walk in the flesh, and he came down hard. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, like from what my own self. And so I got up afterwards and I said some words of comfort to the students say, you know, you might be struggling right now. And I just talked to them afterwards and I said, hey, that was great. I'm glad you preached that. But I said, in the future, as a pastor, when you're saying those words, you have to then turn to the sheep who are not living according to the flesh, but who are struggling right now because they just wrestle with this in their conscience. And you ha you have to give them balm while, you know, you might, you might be, you know, uh, we're sort of for disciplining some sheep yeah. while you have to simultaneously heal the others. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's right. a tough task. Mm -hmm. Especially for a student with a very sensitive conscience. Yes. And we need yes. to be very careful with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's so much more to talk about on Assurance of Salvation. Yeah, there really and, is. And, and that's, that's why, and that's why I'm in a conference. That's yeah. why I'm in a conference on it. Yeah. So this has a lot to do with your student ministry. I'd say most students struggle with this issue. Like I yeah. said, every student raised their hand. Um, and so make sure that you, uh, you uh, take seriously this this area of doctrine and uh, check out the conference again. That's on February 27th. You have to sign up by February 15th. It's at Victory Valley. Um, cost is 30 bucks, 830 to 430. Um, reach out to us if you have any more questions. Jared will put those things in, in the, the show notes. notes. Yeah. So, all right. And thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you, Lincoln, for joining us this week. We are thankful for you and your ministry to teenagers. May God bless you in your work as you faithfully serve him, teenagers, and their families. Connect with us on social media on Instagram at Another YM Podcast, or you can email us at anotherympodcast at gmail.com. 